You know, there's a lot of things. I mean, I actually got up at 2 o'clock this morning. I couldn't sleep and thinking about the service and just coming here. And because I think of the scripture that Paul said, his first epistle was 1 Thessalonians. And one of the things he wrote to them in his letter, he said, I didn't just come here to preach or teach the word to you. I came here to pour out my soul because you were dear unto him. I'm not coming to impress you. I'm not coming to impress them. They, we love one another. They love me regardless whether I do a good job or not. That's not the point here. The point here is that we're the family of God. And I think, I don't know, Pastor Michael, if I mentioned this when y'all were down there at prayer time, but we have to include ourselves in the word. What do I mean by that? This is our upper room. When we gather in that name, we're no different than them. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, he said, Jesus is the chief cornerstone and all the apostles and prophets that's gone before us. But we're part of this habitation that God has built. And unless the Lord builds a house, everyone labors in vain anyway. But we're part of, of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And no part of the body of Christ can say to any other part of the body of Christ, I have no need of you. And he looks upon us just as much as he looks upon the apostles and prophets and all those before. And that's what Paul said. I, I, I was just entertaining so many things because I said, Lord, like, like knowing your pastors, I know you're taught well. And I said, you know, there's a lot of things that the Lord has been speaking to me as of late. But you want to um, be sensitive to what he wants. Right. And one thing I will say is something Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11th chapter, he talked about, he said the one thing that concerned him the most, he, he really used the word fear. Now, Paul was not afraid of anything per se. For example, he was willing to go to Jerusalem. Everywhere he went, I mean, the Holy Ghost was witnessing that bonds and afflictions awaited him to the point that Agabus bound him with a girdle and said, you know, you go to Jerusalem, I mean, this is Roger's paraphrase. You go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill you. I mean, they already left one region and came and stoned you to death and God raised you up. You're going to go back there. They're, they're going to take you out, Paul. He said, I'm not only willing to go there, I'm willing to die. So he wasn't afraid. Matter of fact, when people came out of Antioch and hunted him down and stoned him, he turned to Bar Barnabas right after that and said, Let's go back to their region and check on the believers there. Why? Because he had the heart of God concerning you. Barnabas was like, I, I'm like, what are you thinking? I mean, they came from their place and hunted you down to kill you and you're going to go back to their place? Are you out of your mind? No, he wasn't out of his mind in the sense that the world would say, but he was out of his mind. He was living out of his spirit. And one of the things he said was this. He said, he said, just like the serpent came through subtlety and deceived the woman, 
The woman was deceived. Adam was not deceived. Adam had the dominion and authority to deal with that thing right then and he didn't do it. But just like through subtlety, the devil came and deceived Eve. He said, I'm concerned. I fear that your minds would be corrupted from the simplicity which is in Christ Jesus. The only reason I bring that up is because it's going to be simple this morning. It's going to be very simple. But I, I, want, to, I want to give you a testimony. I want to piggyback on the testimonies that was given this morning. I went down here uh, this summer. One of my board members, uh, his daughter graduated uh, from Rodney Howard Brown's River College down there. It was her third year. And uh, I, I'd never been there. Uh, I, I was there when she was born. And so I wanted to go. And so when I got down to the first night, they met us. We went downtown Tampa and uh, ate at a restaurant, a nice Italian restaurant. It was pretty good. I, I don't need to talk about Italian food right now. But, but the thing about it is we, we, we went in there. And so when we got through eating, this, this, uh, his name was Jesse, our waiter. And so uh, she asked him. She just looked at him. Uh, she said, Jesse is has anyone ever told you that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life? He said, no, he said, I'm an atheist. Just, I mean, bingo. And uh, she said, well, what do you, what, what do you believe? If, what happens to you when you live your life out? What do you, what do you believe happens? Well, you just die and go to the ground just like everybody else does. She said, Jesse, can I pray for you? I mean, a lot of times people would just back. She said, can I pray for you? He said, well, sure. And I'm telling you, she shucked the corn, as we say down here. I mean, she just began to say, Father, I'm asking you right now. She was bold. I mean, we was all sitting there. She said, I'm asking you right now to reveal yourself to Jesse and let him know and how, let him to understand how much you do love him and how you gave yourself from him. And then when she got through praying, she said, she said, Jesse, repeat this after me. I mean, I'm talking about she, I mean, she didn't, she said, Jesse, repeat this after me. I'm talking about the atheist. She said, repeat this after me. And he started repeating and she led him right through the sinner's prayer. He confessed Jesus as Lord, believed that God raised him from the dead, shed his blood, gave his life for him, acknowledged him. Now, here's the deal. We left there and I thought, I don't know if he was doing this just to save her conscience. Most people, they're atheists. They're pretty bold about what they think. But either way, the seed was sown. And so I laid in my hotel bed that night and I, I prayed for that young man. I said, Father, I pray that he never escapes those words that were spoken. I believe he's snared by the words of his own mouth. I believe that he can't get away from it. And he'll realize that something took place in that restaurant. And he'll recognize and make the connection that it was you. My point is, you, listen, nothing is insignificant. The next day I got a hold of a guy <laughs> out in the street. We went back town. His name was Ricky. Got to, got to pray for him. Praise God. And uh, I told Ricky when I was leaving, I said, Ricky, look at, look at me in my eyes. He was just a guy on the streets. I said, look at me in my eyes. I said, Ricky, I'm, I'm going back to Alabama. Sweet home Alabama. I said, but you know what, Ricky? I, I, I said, look at me. He looked at me. I said, I will see you on the other side. I said, you understand me? And he said, yes, sir. Praise God, I'm telling you. What a blessing.
What a blessing. All right. Y'all ready to hit the ground running a little bit? All right. Let's let's get to second Peter. Let me just go through a couple of things. I'm just going to share just a few things with you that I felt impressed through prayer to share with you. Um, don't share this with everybody, but I feel impressed to share it with you. And uh, and then then we'll go go to some other things. Second, Peter. Verse 10, he said, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Second Peter 1, 12, this, look at this verse in the 12th verse. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. I said earlier, I know your pastors and I know you've been taught well. But I know this. I know there's something here. Peter said this and Paul said the same thing in Philippians, the third chapter. He said, for me to speak the same thing to you, it's not grievous to me, but it's safe for you. And what I'm going to say this morning, maybe some things you've heard maybe several times, many times. But here's the thing you need to know. The devil wants you to forget what you need to remember. What did Jesus say when he revealed to his disciples and even to the Paul? Even when uh, partaking of communion? He said, as often as you do this, do this in what? In what? In remembrance. There's something about being put in remembrance. At, right here, it has the ability to stir you in your heart. And we all have to be stirred. Now we can stir ourselves up, but one way you're stirred up is when you're put in remembrance. And it's very, very important. Notice this. I want to say just, I want to bring something else out. He said, knowing that shortly, verse, this is uh, verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Little side note here. You know, the Lord can show you how you're going to exit. God's not a respecter of persons and even those that you love. Praise God. He said, verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. I want to encourage you. Even if the Lord tarries and we leave here, you have an everlasting effect. The Bible says we as the church, as believers, we are epistles that are being read of all men. You know, we read the book of Ephesians, the book of Romans. You are an epistle. Your life speak, your words speak. Words that come out of your spirit in faith and in love, they're incorruptible. They live and abide forever. 
Matter of fact, go, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. First Peter chapter one, verse 18 says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Jesus came for you. And for me, but he was manifest for you. We'll, we'll touch that maybe a little bit later here. Who by him do believe in God who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you have love. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Look at verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. There's been a few situations in life that I, I want to say this to you because the word of God is an incorruptible seed. Paul said in Romans chapter one, he said, I long to see you so that I may impart something unto you. To the end, you'll be established. There is impartations when we gather, when we come together. We see the example of this in the book of Acts. And I want to say this to you again. I feel very impressed in my spirit. You have to include yourself in the book of Acts. You're just as much a part as the book of Acts. The Bible begins, the book of Acts begins where it says, Luke writing that, uh, uh, that book said, the things that Jesus began to do and teach. He's not stopped. We're the body of Christ. Just like there was a church in Aquila and Priscilla's house, there's a church here. Just like they met in the upper room when we meet, we have an upper, it, it's no different. When, when Paul and Barnabas was, was gathered with three other men in Acts chapter 13, as they ministered to the Lord and fast separated themselves and they were praying, the Holy Ghost hit some things to them. And not only did he say something to them, he equipped them and they were sent forth by the Holy Ghost. And of course they were prayed for and hands were laid on them. But the Bible says in the next chapter, we find out that they were called apostles from that point on. In Acts 13, 1, they were prophets and teachers. But an impartation come to their lives. An anointing came specifically for them to do the will of God in their lives. And it's no different with us. And we don't have to be in the fivefold ministry. We all have purpose, divine purpose and intent. And anytime we're in situations and, uh, like this, I mean, whether it's your own personal meditation and devotional time with the Lord or when you're gathered. I'm telling you, it's incorruptible. 
It's something that lives and abides forever. And we have to see it that way. There's nothing insignificant. I'll give you, I'll give you two stories here, okay? And the Lord impressed me to share these two stories. I was born in Winter Haven, Florida because my dad was working with his brother in Winter Haven. They were block and brick masons down there and most everything at, at that time was built out of block, concrete block. And so we lived down there for 13 years. I was born there, but we're Alabamians. My family is, my, my dad's family. And so while I was down there, we started a church in our garage. Now, my dad was not the pastor. We started the church there. Now, we built a little um, a Baptist church. And uh, Brother Ward was the pastor. And I can, I can remember this. Even as a child. Now, see, I wasn't, we weren't taught the things that you're taught. Didn't know any of these things. But I, but I want to show you. The, the, the purpose of what I want you to see is how things are incorruptible and how eternal they are and how important they are and how godly they are. Even sometimes when we would seem like it's insignificant, just like the testimony, get off the get off the road, go to the mobile home and all you've got is a dollar and something that seems insignificant. So he was he said, I'm embarrassed. Well, don't be embarrassed when God's in it. Because not only is it profitable for the life that is, it's profitable for that which is to come. So as a child, listen, I can tell you, <laughs> I never was taught it. I even wasn't taught it that I remember from the pulpit. But as a child, I would take anything I could save, a coin, whether it's a penny or a nickel or a quarter, and I would, I would sow it into Brother Ward. Nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever told me to do it. My mom didn't tell me to do it. And I was uh, about five years old at the time. And I remember this. I remember praying when we'd pray over the, the food and the blessing. I would say, five years old, God bless Brother Ward. Bless Brother Ward. Now, he had a very good looking daughter named Betty. And I would mention Betty. <laughs> Even at five years old. And I would say, God bless Brother Ward, bless Brother Ward, bless Brother Ward, bless Betty, bless Betty, God bless Betty, bless Brother Ward. And finally, Mom would have to pat me on and say, that's enough, Roger, that's enough. <laughs> but th that was in my heart. Brother Ward was in my heart. And so I would save all the coin and I would sow it into it. Let me fast forward. Um, I'm going to fast forward to 1989. Um, I was out at uh, Brother Hagin's camp meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, staying in a half of a hotel room. There is really a half of a hotel room. That's all I could, could get at the time. But while I was in that hotel room, the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, when you get back home, I want you to go to the church in Birmingham. Now, see, I was a part of the church in Jasper there where Barry, I remember him even as a, a young lad, his mom was a part of. And the Lord told me, he said, go, go there. Well, when I got there, he didn't tell me. It's sort of like what when God told Paul, he said, rise and go into the city and it will be told thee there what thou must do. It goes back to the testimony. You don't, you, you get out of your head. You don't lean to your own understanding. You don't reason this stuff. You just trust God with all your heart. 
So when I got back home, Dana asked me, my wife, she said, how was the camp? I said, it was great. She said, you get anything? I said, yeah. And she said, what? I said, we're going to Birmingham. She said, when? I said, this, I come in on Saturday. I said, we're going tomorrow. See, but here's the deal with this. I, I, we, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have met each other. We wouldn't, I wouldn't be standing here today without that. Are you listening to me? Let me, can I take a side journey? What about Cornelius? The Bible says that his prayer life and his alms, his giving, came up as a memorial before God. This is in Acts chapter 10. And not only did it affect him, but it affected his family, his kinfolk, and even people in the neighborhood. It runs deeper is what I'm trying to say. We look at certain things, but this thing goes beyond what we see sometimes. So I go there and I didn't know. The Lord didn't say, rise, go to the church in Birmingham and you will be on staff. You will be on staff within two to three years. You'll be on staff there and you'll be on staff there for 13 of the 16 years that you're there. No. He just said, go to the church in Birmingham. Then when I came on staff... I was on staff for a few months helping out with some construction. Brother Hagen was coming to do some meetings there at the church and we had some other things going on. And then the children's pastor left. And then it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and the pastor there to give me an opportunity to be over the children's ministry. Listen, <laughs> I didn't have any children. I didn't know anything about children. I just remember that I was a child once. And, but I knew that it was the Lord and he gave me the opportunity. Let me fast forward to here. Remember Winter Haven? Remember starting the church in our garage? Remember me, the quarters and so on? Once I become children's pastor, something very interesting began to happen to me. I began to have children on a regular basis, almost a weekly basis, come and sow money into me on a weekly basis. Wow. We're talking 30 years later. To the point that I had a little girl, she was seven years old at the time. Now listen, I'm, I'm talking about every week. I'm talking about anywhere from change to dollar bills to $20 bills to $100 bills. This little girl, her dad um, came with her. He, her mom usually came to church. He, he didn't, um, he usually didn't come, but he, he came Later on, he, he came for a little bit. Rough situation happened in his life. And um, I'm not going to get into the particulars, but he died. But he was standing there with her one morning. And he said, uh, we need to see you. And I, I stepped outside the children's church and she was standing there. And I could see the sparkle in, in this little girl's eyes. And uh, I didn't know him really, but I could tell it was, you know, it wasn't really, he wasn't very friendly. And he just was real sort of gruff. He said, she wants to give you something. And she asked me about it and I told her there's no way we could do it. And she said she'd pray about it. And he said, I told her, well, she'd have to pray about it because we can't do it. But she prayed and it happened. So there it is. There, go ahead. And that's exactly how he treated me. So I just knelt down. I just got down on one knee. 
And she stood right here looking at me. And you ought to seen, it, it looked like Stephen's face that the scripture says, like the glory of God was all over it. And she handed me an envelope. And she said, here, Pastor Hendon. Now, listen, I, I know these people didn't have money. Matter of fact, her, I, I, I'm not going to get into that. That's not the point. They didn't have money. But when I opened that envelope, there was 10 $100 bills. Oh, my this seven-year-old little girl believed God to sow $1,000 and wanted to give me $1,000. I began to weep. I walked in, I, I, I got so overcome that it was, I mean, I, I was overcome and I needed, I knew it was time, children's church was starting and I needed to go in. Of course, we had people helping and stuff, but, and I'm like, Lord, I mean, it just, I mean, I'm not saying break my heart, but my heart was so stirred that I began to cry and I said, Lord, what is this? Now, listen to me. I had never thought of it that time. He said, do you remember when you were a child? He said, do you remember when you used to sow your coins to the minister, your pastor? I said, yes, sir. He said, that was me on the inside of you. He said, nobody taught you that. That was me. And he said, I want to teach you something now about spiritual law. This is not this is not about this is not the point in all this is not about so we can get the preacher money or give the preacher some money. The point is, is God's word is incorruptible and it lives and it abides forever. And it's supernatural. Let me give you another. Let me back up when I was out in camp meeting in um, 1989. And the Lord spoke to me to go to Jasper. Let me back up through that spring in April. I was out at Get Acquainted with Rama Weekend because I had thought about going to Rama Bible Training Center. I had driven all night because the church there where we were in Jasper, the pastor's wife had, had passed away. And you remember that situation. I sang at her funeral. I was abs I, after I sang at her funeral the day before, I just contemplated not going. I'm, I'm just not going to go. But my wife, thank God for good wives. You know, Proverbs calls wisdom a she <laughs> in the book of Proverbs, right? And so thank God she come in there and she talked to me for a few minutes. She said, listen, she said, are you going or you're not going? She said, because if you're going, you already needed to be gone. Because I had to drive all night. At this point, I had to drive all night, no sleep to get there for the next morning. Well, I did. I left, got there. When I got there, uh, at that time, we got in. It was the first one uh, meeting held in Nanowski Recreational Center. And, of course, back at that time, all the instructors and people got up and introduced themselves, and they would tell everybody what they taught the students first and second year. And so, I mean, back then, Brother Keith Moore, Doc Horton, Angela Keaton, back then, she was, I mean, you, I could go through several of them and, and, uh, before they launched out even their ministries. And uh, they t t taught all the people. And then finally, Brother Hagen got up. Well, when Brother Hagen got up, of course, people stood him. He told everybody to sit down. First, now listen to me. Listen to me. First words out of his mouth. Let, let me go back and say some other things. I got a flow. I was sitting in a camp meeting years prior to that. I I'm coming back to Brother Hagen here in just a second. I'm in a camp meeting and Brother Keith Moore gets up and gets a spiritual song. The song is called Fellowship. 
Fellowship, what a joy divine. I am his, he is mine. I commune with him all the time in fellowship. Father God, he is to me, righteous child I'm made to be. From all sin I am washed clean to fellowship. Right? A fellowship with the Father, a fellowship with the Son, a fellowship with the Spirit, my brothers and everyone. Jesus came and he made a way so I could fellowship today. He broke down the wall that stood between the Father and me. And since he rose from hell, now I can go behind the veil in fellowship. And I could go on with the rest of the song. I heard that song one time in account meeting. I never listened to a CD. I never saw any sheet music. I never heard it again. And I can sing it word for word today. Why? Because I didn't learn it. It was imparted by the Holy Ghost. Paul said, I long to see you that not only can I teach you things, I want to impart some things to you. All right. Let's go back to get acquainted with Raymond Weekend. Brother Hagin stands up. First words out of his mouth. I can, I can tell you verbatim what he, what he said. Granddaddy of faith stood up. First words out of his mouth. I teach on death. I'm like, what? Now he could have said, I teach on faith. You know, Jesus sent me to go teach my people faith. He could have said, I teach on healing. I teach on the gifts of the spirit. I teach on how to be led by the Spirit. I, I, I teach on ministry gifts. I teach on ministerial ethics. He could have said any of that. That's not what he said. He said, I teach on death. Next words out of his mouth. Death for the believer is not defeat, no matter how old or how young they are when they die. And then he turned and looked sort of in the distance and he changed gears. He didn't say another word about it. He didn't comment on it. He didn't expound anything. And I'm sitting center ways in that, in that Nanowski Recreational Center. And I'm telling you, it's like, it's like I was the only one in that place. Number one, I'd just driven all night where I'd sang at our pastor's wife service, which was a big blow to our church. But not only did I know that something was planted in me that day that would cause me to survive and sustain many years later. I came back to the church in Birmingham and was a part there. My wife and I, we had a, a child, uh, we, Dana miscarried when we just first got married. And so they told us everything's good. Y'all can still have children, but we got busy with our lives and our work and our careers. And, um, you know, I, I tell folks after about 12 or 13 years, the grandparents will, keep, will quit asking you if you're having any kids. <laughs> so we went uh, until Dana was right at 40 when we had our first girl. And then right at 42 when we had our second girl. Our first girl, Lauren, Lauren Grace, had a two-year-old well baby visit. Well baby visit. Just your regular checkup. Uh, we was over in Birmingham. And uh, Dr. Beerman sort of started checking her out and examining her. And he, you know how they do. And they check. And all of a sudden, he got this look on his face. And he's looking. He kept mashing and sort of looking around. And all of a sudden, he looked at me and he said, uh, mm, I, I don't know what I'm feeling there. He said, there's, there's something I'm feeling there. We talked talk for a second. He, he didn't say nothing. You could tell he was sort of focused. And he looked at me and he said, 
do you mind going down to Children's Hospital and do a sonogram? We always carried her. We would reward her, just do fun. Well, she was our first baby. It had been so long since we had her. And there, we'd go to the Galleria over there back when the gallery, those were many years ago. And the carousel in the middle of the Galleria, we'd go ride the carousel. So he said, do you mind going to Children's? I said, um, I really want to go ride the carousel. I mean, I looked at him right there and I said, I really want to go ride the carousel. He said, will you go? I said, sure. Well, our life upended that day. And that was two years old. And right before her fifth birthday, she went home to be with the Lord. She had a childhood cancer, stage four. It was already in her bone marrow everywhere else. We didn't know it. She went through bone marrow transplant. We fought the good fight of faith, did a lot of things. We were where we were. Now, I could give you some testimonies even in that, how God met us there, but that's not the point in this. The point in this is this. I'm sitting in a, in a service, a get acquainted with Raymond Weekend. It wasn't even actually a, like a teaching. It was just you getting acquainted. And a man of God stands up and says, death is not defeat. First of all, he says, I teach on death. That's the first thing out of mouth. Then he said, death is not defeat for a believer, no matter how old or how young they are when they die. Do you know that that's an incorruptible seed? Because if you go read the epistles, when Paul teaches the church in all of his letters, right? Even when he teaches on death and about when people like First Thessalonians, he said, I would not have you ignorant brethren concerning them that are asleep. He had to address this because people we're dying. You know, I found this out, uh, Pastor Michael. I've been, a lot of times I've been to services, funeral services, I've done them myself going to gravesides. And I've, sometimes when everybody sort of dismissed, I'll walk out there and sort of look at some of the grave marks. You know, it's all just unique, old ones. I found this out. And I've been to a bunch of them over the years. You have 80-year-old, 90-year-old, 60-year-old, 50-year-old, 30-year-old, 5-year-old, 10-year-old. And every one of them. Paul had to address that. But notice in all of his epistles, he never spent, took the time to try to address the cause or the age when people pass. Or the why they passed. You remember Peter talked about, he said, the Lord to show me. He showed me about my exit plan. If you go back and look at that in the Gospels, uh, him and John was standing there and Jesus told Peter how he was going to die. And you remember what Peter did? He said to Jesus, he said, what about him? Y'all remember that? Yeah. He, he said, what about John? In other words, he, he wanted to know how he was going to die. You remember what Jesus said to him? What is that to you? How people leave is not the emphasis, or the way they leave is not the emphasis. What's important, do they follow him, do they know him, are they born again? Now listen, when I say these things, we believe in redemption through his blood. We believe in divine healing. We believe in laying hands on the sick. We believe exactly telling that man in that house what, what you told him. God will heal you. Because the word is true. What I'm trying to get you to see is that, that Jesus, when he stood before Martha, 
And she said, Lord, I know you're going to raise him, my brother, up in the last. I know that. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, yes, I'm going to pray for I'm going to bring him out just a minute. But listen, who's standing before you is even greater than what I'm about to do. I received an impartation that day that when the devil came to my life and not just through the situation with my daughter would try to staunch me out and my wife. I had, I had something imparted to me and it was incorruptible and it was still abiding in me even though it was planted years later. Just like what happened to me in Winter Haven, Florida, it came to fruition years later because it's something spiritual. And the reason I say this to you is because you don't need, no, let me say it like this. We always need to be aware of the eternal. We don't ever need to allow our flesh to cause us to be subdued when we come in together and like this. Just because of what's going on or the way we feel or what's happened lately. No, we need to get on the edge of our seat, praise God. We need to stir ourselves up. We need to be stirred up, put in remembrance of some things. Because God's word is incorruptible. And what you hear and how you hear has everything to do with you partaking of the kingdom. That's what Jesus said in the parable of the sower. He said, if you don't understand this, you won't understand any of the parables. But we're not going to get into that teaching today, but I want to share some things with you because these things are just sort of in my spirit. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a couple of other places here, but I'm believing the Spirit of God will connect all of it by the end of the service here. Jesus talked about having ears to hear. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Even in the book of Revelation, when he spoke about the churches there. Listen, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. He also told the disciples, he said, take heed what you hear. And he also said, take heed how you hear. Because in the parable of the sower, the, the, Jesus said the devil comes immediately to steal the word. Now, you need to read all the gospel accounts to get the fullness of all of it. In Luke's version, he talked about the wayside ground. The, the first ground is the ground where people just trod the seed underfoot. That doesn't say that in Mark, but it does in Luke's account. What do you mean trod it underfoot? If you step on something, it's not very important to you. This watch was a gift to me, precious gift to me, it's dear to my heart by someone who loved me and gave it to me. Now, if I just took it off, stepped on the ground and, and stepped on it, how, what kind of value is that to me? You know, Isaiah 53, we talk about certain things in Isaiah 53, but the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he was despised. He was rejected of men. He was despised. It says, we esteemed him not. He is the word. And that's how you hear. That's, that's, that's the importance because hearing connects you to salvation. Anything, listen, not just the new birth, but anything going forward. I'll go back to Cornelius. When, when Peter was called on the carpet by his Jewish brethren... I mean, he was called on the carpet by his, by his brethren because he went to a, a Gentile's house and ministered to them. Remember? 
Remember the woman at the, at the well? Why, why do you have anything to do with us? Now you talk about racism. And division. It's always been around. And yet, Peter was recalling the account how he was on the housetop, fell into a trance. There was men standing, the Spirit spoke to him and said, don't go, go with them, don't, don't doubt anything. And he went. And then he went on to say this, I think it's around verse 14 of the 11th chapter, he said, he told him to go and tell Cornelius words, somebody say words. words. So that he and his house could be saved. Words connects you to sozo, to deliverance, preservation, wholeness, soundness, healing. Words do. Words do. But words can be rejected and esteemed or esteemed. Sometimes they can be not esteemed, right? They, they can be received. Hearing Hearing, I'm talking about having ears to hear and understanding what we read. Listen, we were redeemed not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. And now we have the word of God, which is incorruptible, that endures forever. And this thing will travel 20 years, 25 years down the road. I receive impartation, not just in that Nanowski Recreational Center, a word that came from Brother Hagen that went into my being that the scriptures, the foundation of what he said, you can back it up in the epistles and the scriptures. And yet that word w was a, a seed that went into my spirit man and brought forth fruit when I needed it. I received other impartations in meetings and in part, not the whole because you know, we continue to fellowship and walk with God on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And we should increase more and more, right? We should be further along this year than we were last year or five years old or 10 years ago. Absolutely. But we're, we're still, we're still pressing toward the mark, right? Even in the ages to come, the Bible says, Paul told the church at Ephesus, in the ages to come, God's going to continue to show us his kindness and his goodness and reveal things to us. But I've received impartations in meetings, not just back in those camp meetings, because this is when I first came back to the Lord, but in other meetings, that even to this day, even to this day, sustains me and what I am and what I'm able to walk in and live by, those things were imparted to me. Oh hallelujah. oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you when you sit down with, with your coffee or if you don't drink coffee, tea, whatever you drink, water, milk, doesn't matter. And you open your Bible in the morning. He brings his life to you. Yes. My son, my daughter, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Why? Because they are life unto those that find them and their health and medicine to your flesh. Luke 15, 1 says, they came to Jesus. They pressed in to hear the word of God. Later on in the 15th verse, it says, they came to hear and to be healed. You don't partake, you don't partake of salvation in any degree unless you hear. Amen. Your hearing is connected to your receiving 
what Jesus died and paid for. The Lord actually, I did, a, I did some teaching on this earlier in the year, but basically he carried me back to Romans chapter 10. He said, he said, son, if people can understand the initial new birth experience and the very principles that lie therein, if they'll walk in those same principles going forward, it, it'll help them. Remember, remember we started out, I'm concerned, I fear, like the serpent came through subtlety to Eve. I, I'm concerned that people in their minds and their thinking, they, they're all over the place. They get double-minded. They're tossed to and fro. That they get away from the simplicity, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul said this. He said, now you think about this. There's no greater miracle than the new birth. Because the scripture tells us before we were born again, we were in a kingdom of darkness. Satan had dominion over us. Matter of fact, Jesus told the Jewish boys in John 8, they said, our father's Abraham. He said, no, no, he's not. Your father's the devil. They didn't understand that. See, they didn't understand the fallen nature. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. It's foolishness to him. They have to be revealed. That's why Peter, uh, Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is revealed to you, who I am. And he said, this is how I'm going to build my church through revelation, me being revealed to people, my word being revealed to people. So the gates of hell cannot prevail against you through revelation. Because when revelation comes, faith is there. If you, if you don't, if you don't, if it's not revealed to your heart, you don't see it. There's, there's no faith in operation. So let's go back to Romans chapter 10. We know the story uh, that if thou shalt confess. See, the righteousness of faith doesn't say in your heart. You know, a lot of people say a lot of things in their heart. They may not say them out loud to people, but they've got it going on on the inside. He said, say not in your heart. Uh, let's bring Christ down from above. Let's bring him. Lord, come, come down. Come do something. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Well, he already came. It doesn't say, Lord, let's raise him back from the dead, you know. No, he's been raised from the dead. What does it say? The word is nigh you. How, how near is it? It's as near as your mouth and your heart. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now listen, the word saved means more than getting to go to heaven when you die. Right. We have to see this. That's, what, that's why I was talking about the simplicity. It applies to every other area of our life. But listen to me, we know it's with the heart and the mouth. That's what the spirit of faith is. Second Corinthians 4.13, it is written, uh, uh, Paul was writing to the church. He said, as it is written, I believed Therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. But you got to go on down a little bit because Paul wanted to make sure people understood. He said, how, he, in verse 14 of Romans 10, he said, how can anyone, and I'm just sort of paraphrasing this, but it, you can look it up. How can anybody call on him in whom they have not believed? Now the end result is God wants something coming out of our mouth from our heart. Because that's how the worlds were framed, according to Hebrews 11.3. We understand that through faith, 
that the worlds were framed by the word, or we could say like a spoke, the spoken word of God, so that what we see was not made by things which do appear. In other words, things were spoken, but those things are spirit. That's why God said, attend to my words, because they're spirit and they're life. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So how can they call on, how can you say something out of your mouth? The word is nigh you in your heart and your mouth. How can you say something if you have not believed? You can't. Now listen to this. How can you even believe unless you've heard? You can't. How can you hear without a preacher? God has chose the foolishness of preaching, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, to save. The word save there means the same thing, to heal. But you got to hear. Brother Hagin refers to a couple of pastors, brother and sister Goodwin, who he was close friends with. They had a little girl in their church. Miss Goodwin, sister Goodwin called him the little cripple girl. Now she grew up. Uh, she could never wear a shoe on one foot. They had, to, they had to make something to put on her foot to help her walk. But now she's done grown up. She was in a meeting. And um, when the meeting uh, was through, uh, and, and later on, of course, he would take meetings for weeks back in those times. But later on, I think he came back through and she came up to him and she came walking up. And she said, uh, Brother Hagin, uh, you remember me? And of course, he introduced her and she said, look here. And she was wearing shoes. And so she told him the testimony. Basically what happened when he was there like a year before or previous, back then they got reel-to-reel tapes. It wasn't like CDs or what we have now, or, or smart devices. But she got a reel-to-reel tape and she began to listen to the ser uh, service that she was in. Now listen very carefully to me. She listened for many days and she told him. She said, I really, to be honest with you, Brother Hagin, not, not hurt his feelings, not offend him. She said, I really didn't feel like I got anything out of it. You know, did I say earlier, don't ever allow your flesh, your body, to cause you to be subdued when you come to a place of worship just because you don't feel. We all deal with feelings, and feelings come and change. But we read the scripture where the word of God is incorruptible and it lives and abides forever. She listened to that service for 180 days straight. I don't know if I've listened to Brother Hagin's teachings 180 days straight. Not one service. And after 180 days of listening and hearing, she woke up one morning. And her crippled foot was totally restored and healed. Oh, oh, and by the way, at birth, one of her toes were missing on her foot because it was deformed and crippled. She had a brand new toe on her foot. Wow. Now, I want you to understand that it's, God's not setting up in heaven and it's like frequent flower miles. And all of a sudden, once she got to 180, he's like, okay, that's what I was looking for. 180, ding! I'll send you a new toe and I'll... No, that's not the way it is. For whatever reason, and I don't know, but I do know this, her hearing was connected to her having something on the inside of her heart called faith or to make the connection with heaven, and it was made. Because you can't believe, the word believe means have faith, 
And everything of the kingdom, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we're receiving a kingdom. Everything in the kingdom has to be received. Remember Ephesians 2? For by grace are you saved through faith, right? It's, it's not of yourselves. It's not of works, right? It's what? Gift. It's a gift of God. Every gift, if somebody gives you a gift, you have to receive that gift. Or you can reject that gift, but, but gifts are to be received. You can't receive without hearing. How can they call unless they believe? How can they believe unless they hear? Well, what's the answer to a lot of people's issues in life? They need to be hearing. They need to continue to hear. They need to be put in remembrance. That's why Peter, that's why I started this, this, this out. As long, I, I will not be negligent, even though you know it. There's something spiritual about it, or it wouldn't be in the Word. And it is the connector. For example, I can give you a couple of the scriptures by Cornelius. I'm going to give you one more. I could give you three, four, five witnesses, but I'm going to give you the, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Acts 19. Paul coming to the upper coast of Ephesus. He ran into some folk there and he asked them a question. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You know what their response was? We have not so much as heard. He said, have you received? You can't receive without hearing. Why do I say this? Because that's the answer in a lot of people's life. They won't take the time to hear. That's the very thing that Jesus talked about in the parable of the sower where he said, let me tell you about this. He said, the first thing the devil's going to do is come and get the word. He's going to try to get the word for you. And the first thing he's going to do, the first way he's going to do it is to get you to walk on it and just trot on it. And it's not going to be that important to you. If he can't get you there, he'll get you excited for a little while and then you're going to run into some situations in life, which Jesus said you would. John 16, 33 said, in the world you'll have tribulation. And the devil's going to use those situations to, to get you offended if you're not rooted and grounded. And he'll try to get and work in your mind. And he, he's an accuser. Remember, he's an accuser. He's going to try to bring accusation against you or against God or whatever and get you to take the bait. And then if he can't get that... Then he's going to get you in a place where you just get caught up with the things of this world. The cares of life, just life. A deceitfulness of riches, just even pleasure. Even though he's given us all things richly to enjoy, thank God he gave it to us, but it's not to replace him. Hearing... If they're going to receive from the Spirit of God, I mean the, a person himself. The Holy Spirit is not it. He, he's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. And for, in order for them to receive him, they said they haven't heard. So there was no way they could receive because to have faith or receive it is connected to your hearing. That's why in Luke 15, 1, they pressed in to hear the Word of God. And I see it all around me. Not just with people in the church, but people out there. I mean, and we love people and we're not here to condemn people or, you know what I mean? We're not being judgmental. What we, what we want is to understand truth. Listen, we don't come to church to get brownie points with God. 
We don't come to church because we've told some folks at work or some of our friends or people that we profess to be a Christian. And so I never bar the doors of a church and they probably think I'm a backslid or a hypocrite or whatever. So I need to go. I at least need to go. I need to make an appearance. No, you go to get fed. Paul told, uh, talked to a young pastor named Timothy and said, you need to be nourished up. What's going to nourish you? If we'd have kept reading in 1 Peter, he's writing to the church there, you need to desire the sincere milk of the word that you can grow thereby. How does that happen? Through hearing. How do you become fully persuaded? Through hearing. Because you can't believe or have faith without it. See, a lot of times people are so caught up in the mechanics of faith, Pastor Michael, but they don't understand really the answers in their hearing. Because that's where you see it. And once you see it, the light's there and faith is there. You don't have to try to work, figure out how to do anything. It's in you. Now, time's getting here. I, I, want, to, I want to say a few things to you. I... I, I I hadn't even opened my notes. Can, can I open my notes and can I share my notes with you today? Can, do y'all mind? Can we order pizza in? I've got, can I go through all these pages of notes? No, I'm just, you know, you talked about, you know, you're talking about having your notes. I, I was just, I'm just messing with you. Um, here's something that, that I want you to hear from your heart. And I'm going to leave you with this and we'll just see what the Spirit of God wants to do. If he wants to minister or whatever. But I want to leave this with you. Because like I said, the scripture says Peter and John came to a gate called Beautiful. And y'all know the story about the man there. And basically they said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have. I'm not trying to feed you old man. I'm trying to feed you fresh manna. Because even this is still fresh to me today. Because I realize how important it is. And the Lord didn't just speak it to me for a few months ago, just for a few months ago. You know what I thought, Pastor Michael, when I came here, I was riding down the road, praying in the Holy Ghost. Just like, you know what came up in my spirit? You remember back when John Osteen, Brother John Osteen, Joel's dad, you remember he'd have people and he'd say, you got your Bibles? You remember he'd say, hold up your Bibles. I tell you what, y'all got, you, you got your phones, your smart Bible, hold them up, hold them up. You got, you got it? You remember what he'd say? He'd say, this is my Bible. This is my, my Bible. Bible. <laughs> I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I boldly confess. I should have started this at the beginning. Today I boldly confess that I will be taught the Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I will never be the same. I will never, never, never be the same. In Jesus' name. Sometimes he'd say, wave him at wave him at him. And he'd say, wave him. He said, make the, make the devil mad and Jesus glad. I remember being in those meetings. We'd do that. You know, we were all excited. And now we go through life and just because of situations in life, sometimes we have to watch it. We get conditioned. 
And uh, our flesh will cause us to be subdued when we come to church. I remember those meetings. The Lord brought it to me. I, matter of fact, I was listening to YouTube. This was a while back. And uh, I was listening to Brother Hagin, and all of a sudden he, he got towards the end of the service and he said, Hallelujah. I mean, 10,000, 12,000 people. Hallelujah. And he, he, he'd repeat, Hallelujah. And they would echo, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and if he'd say, they would do it. What that told me was that their flesh had not subdued them. They were in. Oh, glory to God. So let me leave you with this, okay? Let me give you a few scriptures. I wanna, there were several things I wanted to say, but I think we've got it out where we are at. Let me share something with you. Let's go to Psalm 115 right quick. Just a few minutes, and then we'll pray. Psalm 115, this is something that the Lord... Um, to be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, he, he's been speaking this to me for the last couple of years. And I'm talking about it, it's not going away. Because what happens is sometimes we have to be stirred up and put in remembrance, even though Pastor Michael's taught us some of these things. And, and we still got to hear these things again, even though we know these things, because in the hearing, in the hearing, the answer's in the hearing. The flow is in the hearing to you in your life. Even if you have to listen to it 180 days straight. I'm not saying you have to, but, but there, that's, that's where you get. Psalm 115, let me get here right quick. Very familiar scripture to you. But it says right here in Psalm 115... It says, verse 12, the Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. Somebody says, yeah, but I'm not a, I'm not Jew. Well, just hang in here. In Christ Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. There's neither bond nor free. But if in case, we'll get you on the next one right here. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. Now that includes everybody. Okay. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. The Lord began to talk to me about the word increase and about the word more. And he said, Roger, I want to increase you and I want to increase the people more than where they are. And listen, he began to show me some scriptures about Increase. Matter of fact, one of the first things he did, he carried me over in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, I think verses 6 and 11, and he talked about, Paul told the church there at Corinth, he said, the children of Israel, how God brought them out of Egypt, had a land prepared for them. Right? Egypt is the type of the world. Pharaoh's is a type of Satan. The land flowing with milk and honey is the type. The land uh, that we have now as believers, who we are in Christ now. It's all, it's all an example. He said it's in samples and it's examples for the church. And all the examples and all these things were written for us, for our admonition and for our learning. One of the things he wanted to do, if we go back to Deuteronomy, he wanted to bring them out and he said he wanted to increase them greatly. 
Now there's things that interfered with that, but that was his heart. And I'm telling you right now, you really have to mix faith with this. It has to be received by faith and you have to have ears to hear it because, you know, if you just sort of mentally agree with it, that's one thing, but if it really gets in your heart, I mean, you'll latch on to it. And it won't just be in your heart, it'll be in your mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18, 20. But what about the next verse? With the increase of a man's lips shall he be filled. So you've got to have increase in your lips. You've got to have increase coming from your mouth and you need to increase in what you say about it as well. Now, let me give you a couple of scriptures here. I've got so many scriptures of increase and more. For example, Paul prayed the church, he prayed a prayer in Colossians chapter 1 that we would increase in the knowing or the knowledge of God. We'd be filled with His will and His word and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we'd be fruitful, right? We'd walk worthy and we would increase. Ah. Let me give you one out of Job. <laughs> just, just hang on with me. We're going to go to two scriptures. I'm going to give you two scriptures here. And then we'll see what the Lord wants to do. But I'm telling you right now, the Lord has brought increase to your life today. Because here's, here's the thing I want to say. And, and, and Pastor Michael even said this before while he was introducing me. Basically what he said, I'm going to say it in another way, but almost verbatim, but it's almost the same. It's, 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 it doesn't matter what, you're, what you hear me saying or what you've heard me said for the last hour. What really matters is what you hear God talk to you about through what's been said. That's where it gets personal. When you take that and begin to apply it in, in your life personally and hear what he's saying to you and, 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 and stirring you up in some things and just out of his great love for you, just bringing some things to your heart to edify you and exhort you and encourage you. Hallelujah. Let me get here. Uh, Job chapter 8. Job chapter 8. This will cover, I'm going to go with two classes of people. You remember both small and great? He wants to increase, bless them both small and great. More and more, even your children. Really this thing's, this promise and this covenant is to you and your children, your children's children. We saw it with the jailer in Acts 16. He said, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house will be saved. Notice here in verse 7. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should be greatly increased. We look at things in our life, we judge ourselves, and a lot of times... Even as believers, we judge ourselves in the flesh. We don't see ourselves in the spirit. We don't see, the thing, see us as the way he sees us. <laughs> Just like Abraham. Uh, I have made you a father of a multitude of, of many nations. I mean, the man is 90 years old. That goes beyond your mind. Hey, look at the stars. You see all those stars? Look at the sand on the sea. That's, that's what's going to be your kids. 
And listen to me. There can be things that is beyond your... I, I guarantee you, when we get to talk to Abraham in heaven, when God spoke that to him, that was beyond his mind. There's no way at his age in Sarah's womb, in, in the condition it was in, which was absolutely dead, that he in his mind could conceive and lay hold of what God spoke to him. But it wasn't bigger than his spirit because he's a spirit being. And so you believe with the heart or with your spirit. That's, and he took it. Even though you mind. And then he got him corrected by changing his name so he could start saying things out of his mouth to get in agreement with it. I like that thing you had playing before the service. Get in agreement with heaven. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.10, he said, I beseech you that there be no schisms or division among you, that you be of the same mind, mind and same judgment, and you speak the same thing. Amen. Well, that's among brethren, but that's the same principle applies with God. How can I stay in agreement with God where I'm not divided? You think what He thinks. How do I think what He thinks? I go to the Word. I get my mind renewed. And then I begin to say what He says. I say what the Word says. Well, notice this. Even though your beginning is small and it may still look small. <laughs> I'm telling you, God wants to greatly increase our latter end. In the first miracle, he revealed it at the wedding of Cana. We saved the best for what? Last. Let me tell you something. Don't let the devil lie to you about what's going on around us right now. I'm talking about for the church. Don't buy into the smoke screen and the lies. This thing's going to end up with a bang and God gets the last word. And the end's going to be glorious for the church. Well, you ever run into somebody that says, you ask them how you're doing? Now, some people tell you they're not doing good. But have you ever? Now, I, I'm just, I'm, my neck of the woods, I have run into a few people. And here's, here's what they told me. Miss Deborah, I said, how you doing? You know, how you doing? Oh, we're doing great. I've had people actually look at me and say, listen, I'm doing so good. If I'd done any better, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> Have y'all ever heard any phrase like that ever? Yes. I'm doing so good. If I was doing any better, I couldn't stand it. Yes. Well, it's good to do great. And you know, sometimes when people are doing great, They'll coast. But I got a scripture for you. Let's go to Psalm 71. And I'll close with this one. Here's my last scripture for today. Thank you, Lord. This is a goodie. <laughs> How you doing? I, I'm doing, hey, we're doing great. Right, that's, praise God. Matter of fact, we're doing even better. I don't know if we can stand it. Well, Psalm 71, 21 says, Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. What am I saying to you if we have ears to hear? It don't matter if you're small or you're great. It doesn't matter if, if, if your beginning is small and it still seems small. God's heart is to increase us 
And even if we're doing good or even if we're doing great, He still wants to increase our greatness. We're not done, folks. And you have to wake up in the morning. And ha here's something else the Lord spoke to me. He said, Roger, he said, you're, you're going to have to start being intentional. You're going to have to do things with purpose from your heart. You know, the scripture says, as a man purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Well, it can be in giving, but really you need to purpose in your heart other things. He said, you need to purpose in your heart that you wake up and truly expect great things and increase and more in your life. You can give just, you can sort of just, yeah, I, amen, I, I agree. You ever minister to people or family me, me, members and maybe they're Christians or whatever and you start to share something with them and they, yeah, I know that, I know. Well, right then we're done. We're done. Because I, already, I know. See, they're not hearing. And I, and I know, listen, we have all can, can say different times, whatever, but I want to be intentional and purpose that I really in, in believe and expect increase for me and my family and for church and whatever. And I don't care what's going on. And even when things have been small, even when there's been delay, even when I've missed it, the Bible tells me in Acts 3.21 that Jesus has been raised and He ascended to sit in heaven to the restitution or the restoration of all things that's ever been spoken by any apostle or prophet or anybody that's led by the Spirit of God even to the present moment. He was raised, listen, and ascended so that we could be restored to the original intent that He had for our lives when we came into this earth, when we were born I think I told Pastor Michael this. I'm not sure. I may not. Sometimes I tell people it may have been at the prayer time. I don't remember. But here's the deal. I liken it like this. I've heard this example. And I really like this example. You know, I, had, I was supposed to get on the bus to go to Dallas. That's where I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm going to Dallas. But, you know, I ended up in Shreveport. Now, listen, if you're from Shreveport, I love you. I'm nothing against Shreveport. But I'm supposed to be in Dallas, but I'm in Shreveport. And I've been in Shreveport now for... And I was supposed to be in Dallas. I got good news for you. There is a bus from Shreveport to Dallas. Praise God. God, listen, God makes rivers in a desert. Isaiah 43. He said, forget the former things. He said, I'm telling you right now, I can make a way. We were singing about it earlier. See, we need to sing out of revelation, not just be singing to be singing. We need to sing from the Word that we have revelation in our heart about what we're singing from the Scriptures and be singing out of praise and thanksgiving because we believe that's the truth and reality in our lives. But God is restoring some things in our lives and I'm telling you, He'll put you back in the original intent. He'll steal what the canker worm and the palmer worm or any other worm has stolen in your life because He has that ability. And He can put it back like it was never broken. See, we get over in our mind and say, well, there's just no way well, that's, that, then you're saying that not all things are possible with God then. You know, the, the prophet said, oh, is there anything too hard for God? Well, we're saying, well, that, yeah, but this, what I've done is too hard. But if you go on down in Acts 3.26, he says this. He sent him and he raised him up to bless you. Amen. So I'm telling you right now, increase has come. The word of increase has come to add to because if we go back to 2 Peter, add to your faith this, add to that, and you won't fall. And then he said, I won't be negligent to stir you up. 
There's a lot of things that's been put into you, your people of the Word, but I've just come to add some things to you today and to stir you up, even though you know these things and tell you, praise God, it's not just per chance, it's not just a coincidence. The rest of your life will be the best of your life. Is anybody in here need agreement uh, prayer for, for anything going on in your body, physically, healing? Okay. I want to pray for you. Because right quick, I mean, uh, and, and the reason I say this, you know, you know I'm, I referenced my daughter. You know, after that, I, I, I prayed for people after her and situations. I had a guy went to UAB hospital. I had a, had a friend call me. I was doing prison ministry before COVID. Headed to St. Clair Prison. St. Clair County, got a call. Hey, can you go by UAB Hospital? I got a friend in UAB. He's on life support. Eat up with cancer. You go by and pray for him, minister his family. Sure. So I go in there. Listen, he's got a vent. He, he's, he's a skeleton with skin on. His eyes are set in his head. I, from my understanding, this is what I was told. So I'm just relaying what I was told. He's the first person they ever gave chemotherapy to on life support. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's almost like you kill somebody if you give them, you know, when they're on life. I mean, listen, you just had to see him. I had I mean, I could not go by what I saw. I went in there and ministered to his wife and his mom. And then I w walked over and stood in front of him and I called out his name and I said, hey. He, he, he's non-responsive. Eyes set in his head, vent, tubes running out, machines everywhere. I said, Jesus Christ stands before you today and tells you there's nothing between him and God. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I curse this disease in your body. And I, I just simply put my hands on him and prayed for him, turned around and after I talked with him and left. When I get out of prison that night, my phone had a voicemail. He said, after you left, a couple of hours after you left, he started lighting up. Within a week, every tube's out of him, vents out of him. He's sitting up in bed. I'm sitting in there. I went over to see him and he's smiling at me and he said, I don't know if you remember when you said, I'm like, you don't, you don't know if I remember. You're the one with your eyes set in your head. Look like you were dead. That goes to tell you they can hear. They can still hear because they're a spirit being. Your spirit never goes to sleep at night. You're a spirit. God, God neither sleeps nor slumbers. He's a spirit, John 4, 24. Neither does your spirit. Now your soul can go to rest in your body, but your spirit's alive. And he quoted to me exactly what I said to him. He said, when you told me that there was nothing between me and God, something happened in me. Because see, the devil had came to his life and told him that there was something where he had missed it. And God, he didn't think God would heal him or anything because of what he had done. He felt like he had disobeyed God. Aren't you glad that you bring every thought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ? You don't get focused on yourself. You get focused on his obedience. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I'm just going to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name, I lay my hands on her, Lord. And I thank you. Your word is true. You're not a man that you should lie. And I speak life over her. I declare to her body that it's healed, redeemed by the blood, bought with a price. And I take authority over sickness, infirmity, disease of any sort. And I demand in the name of Jesus that it stop, desist, and be removed.
in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Likewise, you're not a respecter. You're not a respecter, Lord. Likewise, you came. The scripture says you didn't just die for one, you died for all. Hallelujah. And you died for her. And you were raised for her. And you took the curse for her that she need not bear. So we stand against this thing. And we declare in her no more curse. No more infirmity. No more deceit. Ease. I take authority over the very source of it. In Jesus' name you leave. Take your hands off of her. In Jesus' name. I declare over you now that you're healed. I declare over you now by the Spirit of God, you're quickened. By His Spirit, according to His Word, according to His life. He is a life-quickening Spirit. And His name is life. His name is healing. And in Jesus' name, I declare you healed and made whole. Hallelujah. Was there anyone else that needed prayer? Yes, sir. Over here. Right here. Two, two gentlemen. Father, in Jesus' name, I lay my hands on my brother. Oh, Lord, this is very simple. We're not having to twist your arm to do anything because you've already done it. And we're enforcing and declaring the very reality and, and heaven and earth is in agreement now concerning our brother. That by your wounds, by your bruise, he is totally healed and delivered and set free. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet, I declare freedom and liberty in his physical body and command every symptom to dissipate and disappear in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Likewise. Likewise, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my, my. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. In the name, in the name of Jesus. I lay my hands on him. <laughs> Thank you for supernatural divine restoration in this body. All things being restored and made right. Hallelujah. To the original intent. And by the wounds, by the blood, and by the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pronounce and declare you healed and made whole. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes, sir, brother. I'm telling you. <laughs> Praise God. I, hallelujah. Praise God. Y'all in agreement with that? Yes. We are. I, I want to say uh, thank you so much for allowing me to come. Um, <laughs> I'm a preacher and I'm a pastor and I teach and preach and it's what we do. Um, but I thank you for having ears to hear. And you're so easy to preach to. I mean, I'm telling you, it's, there's such an easy, open liberty in this place. You know, I've been in places where it, it was hard. And I never said anything. And I, I'm not being critical, people, but it was just tough. It's just sort of tough. And we love people. And I don't know, and I'm not here between them and the Lord. I just don't know. But, I, it's just, but it wasn't this way here. So it was very easy. So thank you for letting me take a few minutes of liberty. But I love you in the name of Jesus. You're precious. You're precious. And your pastors are precious. 
and I, I thank God for them. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Praise God.